This episode of a Quick Timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Alabama, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish. And now save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have on the show assistant coach for the firm Paladins, Coach Tim Johnson. Coach, great to have you on the show. Tony, it's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. This past March, the basketball world got to see the Paladins on the national stage. And I know quite a few in the basketball community have wanted to learn more about what's going on there in Greenville. And with it being the offseason, I wanted to talk a little bit of player development and some ideas maybe for small group workouts. And Coach Johnson does a great job with stuff over there at Furman with that. So, thought that he would be a great person to talk to about this. With how most of school years end and availability of guys and exams and that sort of thing, the the one-player workout format where it's just you and one guy in the gym, can you kind of walk us through what one of those workouts would look like? Yeah, so in the spring, we're going to be less inclined to worry about conditioning. It's going to be a little less concept-based. Although I believe everything you do should be tailored to fit what your team does. But in the spring for us, we tell the player, this is the one time uh, where our development approach is centered on you. And we don't use uh, you, I, me a ton, but in the spring, we tell them this is your opportunity. This is for you. Uh, So we're going to really try to stretch them in the spring and work on things that uh, are more specific to that player. So this is going to be what you want to add to your game, what might, there be something you can't do that maybe we can train you to be able to do. Uh, and again, a lot of that's going to go back to uh, we want to coach and preach autonomy with our players. We want them to have real responsibility into uh, how they're growing in the spring. Once we move into the summer, that's going to be more, okay, do what you do well and practice on what you do well. And let's make sure we understand concepts. Let's make sure we understand playing uh, within the team and those type things. But the spring for sure is dedicated to the player. Like we'll have guys, uh, Jalen Slauson, coach this summer, I really want to learn how to put the ball on the floor and come off ball screens. This is something I think I may have to do uh, as a pro one day. Well, Jalen, let's work on that. We'll work on that three workouts a week. Let's make sure on that fourth workout, we keep you sharp in the things that you do really well for the spring. I would guess that they're a little bit more inclined to work harder or buy into that when you give them that freedom. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, that's their opportunity to uh, work on their own time. They come to the workout. They can show us. The guy says he wants to shoot threes. Uh, You know, we have all kind of objective metrics uh, that we want them to hit to become three-point shooters. Uh, Obviously, in our program, everybody uh, needs to be able to shoot. Most people can shoot. But you'd be surprised uh, the number of guys that come into the program not shooters and become great shooters. And so uh, for those guys, we have certain drills and metrics we can uh, have them hit that are just objective. Like, hey, you hit this mark, well, then you're allowed to shoot in the game. We call it a shooting license. And so there'll be certain guys that, that in the spring, that's their goal. Well, Coach, I, I wasn't able to shoot last year, but this summer or this spring, I want to earn my shooting license. And so we'll have that opportunity for them. But once we get to the season, it's too late to earn your license. So that's something you have to do. Uh, in the spring. So, of course, that player is going to have incentive to get more shots up. That player is going to have incentive to uh, really work at that in the details and the preparation and all those different type things. 
I was going to ask you about the shooting a little bit later, but since you brought it up, I want you to explain the shooting license system, but I also want people to have a context for this. I was just looking over the stats today and like across the board, your guys make significant increases percentage wise. Like you just mentioned Slauson, he shot 9% better from three this year than he did the year before. And other guys are like 3%. And I mean, there's, there's a significant jump for all the dudes. What is the secret to that? You know what? Nothing we do uh, from a shooting standpoint is out of this world. I think it really comes down to just coaching, uh, you know, simple details, you know, game speed reps, right? As opposed to shooting at a, at a steady pace. You want to shoot at the pace you're going to shoot at in the game. A lot of what we preach is, is uh, you know, base and balance. And, and uh, especially for the spring, you're going to want quality over quantity. Right. So but at the same time, if you want to be good at anything, you got to do it a ton. Uh, so those but those, you know, are we going to go shoot 500 or are we going to shoot 200 reps that are real? And so with our guys, I think really it's just time, you know, just time you put in you, anything you do for a long time, uh, you get better at. And so for our shooting license, that's something where we have objective measurements where a player says, well, coach, I'm a really good shooter. And then coach says, well, I'm not sure about that. There's got to be a method to prove or disprove uh, where it's not subjective, you know. And so for the shooting license, we'll put them through a drill uh, where they have to hit a certain mark for us uh, to become a red guy. This is me, a red guy would mean you shoot open shots. Uh, you got to hit 35 out of 50, uh, three out of five times. Uh, and there's a certain pattern we use to get those 50 shots. Uh, to become a green dot guy, you got to hit 40 out of 50. So this is 80 percent. And uh, some people may say, well, 40 out of 50 ain't very hard. Uh, but when you hit this pattern that we use, it's going to fatigue you. It's going to test your mental. It's going to test your resolve. And so if you're hitting 40 out of 50 with the drill we're putting you through, uh, then you're, you're, you're ringing the bell. And that would be somebody like a Mar uh, Marcus Foster, uh, Alex Hunter, Mike Bothwell, those guys uh, hit that mark all the time. And then we have some guys that are close. Uh, you know, maybe they're shooting 30 out of 50 and they, they say, coach, I'm, I'm so close. And like, hey, man. It's, it's objective. If you didn't get 35 out of 50, don't shoot that ball. You know, move it to the side. But obviously, most of our guys uh, hit that mark. We're a really good shooting team. Do you do that like in a row? They're doing the 50 or over the course of one workout or a week or what? Yeah, so they get one opportunity on a, a given day uh, to hit that 35 out of 50. And then let's say they get it. That counts as obviously one in the winning column. They don't get it. That counts as an L. And the object is to get it three times out of five attempts. Uh, to get your shooting license. And if you're able to get three out of five, obviously you would get five opportunities in a week max. Um, and then you would have the duration of the spring and summer to try to get that mark. And uh, most guys, again, on our team could do it. There are a few younger guys that can't uh, yet, but there's guys that couldn't do it early and they can crush it now. So like a Marcus Foster uh, was in the 20s as a freshman. Now he's probably the best shooter on the team. Uh, Garrett Heen is another one where he – was maybe in the teens as a freshman. Now he's obviously one of the best uh, post shooters on the team. Uh, so it's again, you want to use objective marks because subjectivity can be debated. So now that player shoots that shot and he disagrees with you, well, coach, I can shoot. And you say, well, I'm not sure if that's a great shot for our team. Well, he can pull out his license and say, well, coach, I, I'm a green dot guy. There's really no debate. It's like, hey, you're open green dot guy, let it fly. Uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the gray area. So there's really no gray area for us with that stuff. And, you know, I would encourage everybody to uh, make sure 
that you have objective measurements and you don't want the standard to be too stringent. Uh, you know, you don't want to use a number like 47 or 45 because then if no one can get it, it might actually uh, take away confidence from really good shooters. But we feel like 35 is a fair number. Uh, and then, of course, 40 is a fair number where it's not too uh, hard to reach the standard, but it's also possible to reach the standard. That was worth the whole episode right there. But we're going to keep going. <laughs> no I would no guess to part of it is teaching shot selection. You kind of alluded to that, but is it more than just the measurements that you just mentioned there that factors into them? I mean, your whole team being good shooters. Absolutely. We're going to trust that the ball movement is going to beat you. We're not really trying to uh, have one or two players get a specific shot. It's going to be the best shot for our team. But what's a good shot for Mike Bothwell might not be a good shot for someone else. And uh, again, a lot of that's going to be decided by uh, time in the program, your role, your capacity to hit certain shots. But again, if you don't have objective measurements, like a guy says, hey, coach, that shot Mike just took, I can make that shot too. Okay, well, let's go do the shooting license. Let's do it. Let's see if you can get 40 out of 50. And then he doesn't. Now I don't have to argue with you about whether that's a good shot or not. You know and I know you didn't hit the mark. And so it just makes it really simple. But, yeah, absolutely. The ball is going to move. The ball is going to find the right shot for our team. And a lot of that's going to be determined uh, by, you know, the collaborative understanding of who needs to shoot which shot, mm -hmm. uh, which is huge. All right. So as you move into the summertime, you obviously we were talking again beforehand about some of the new guys that you have coming in. And not only are you introducing them to the unique culture that you have there at Furman, but also the style of play and everything else that's expected of them. Uh, I have a lot of high school coaches and even some players that listen to this. I'll give you the opportunity to communicate to them as the players are coming in. What are they needing most in order to adjust to the college play? Don't wait to get to campus to get ready in your conditioning, but come to campus to audition your conditioning, if that makes sense. Uh, so we see oftentimes, sometimes with young guys, they think I'm going to get to college and they're going to get me ready. Uh, but it's quite the opposite. When you get to college, it's your chance to show the staff how much you've prepared yourself. Because if we have to spend two or three months getting you in shape, that's going to take away from our ability to coach the other things. Right. So if you come in shape, then we can teach you the details, the nuances of the offense and all those different type things. Uh, the second thing I'll say is allow yourself grace to build into uh, the mental resolve you'll need to survive a good culture. It's designed to challenge you mentally. And so, so many guys are high achievers that come here or play college ball in general. And when you're a high achiever and you come in and you're just getting the, the, the process is hard, the players are better than you, the coaches are demanding. And so there's a level of uh, understanding what we call it is the, the process of the bamboo tree. In short, the way the bamboo tree works is once the seed hits the ground, you don't see any results for three or four years. And then all of a sudden in year five, it sprouts up 80 feet. And so we ask our guys, and maybe it doesn't take three or four years, but they're going to feel like because it's hard, because it's strenuous, they're going to feel like the first uh, three, four months you know, you might not see the progress you want to see. You might not be as good as Jalen Sloss and Mike Bothwell, but if you stick with the process and trust it, it's, it's meant to tear you down a little bit before it builds you up. We call it the J-curve. So you're going to see a dip in maybe confidence. You'll see a dip 
and 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 your just the way you feel your body you're gonna be sore but then all of a sudden that j curve is gonna uh, tail up and uh so just to make it short i would say patience and and just mental resolve were the two things that that i feel like we have to get through the most uh to guys a quick timeout is presented by huddle the market leader in video-based analysis solutions for basketball teams around the world Huddle continues to make advancements to their suites of performance analysis solutions. Tools you know like Sports Code are enhanced by their industry-leading tech like Huddle Focus, an AI-powered smart camera that's built to integrate into Sports Code right out of the box. It captures and uploads videos automatically from any gym. Head over to huddle.com slash a quick timeout to get a peek at all they're bringing to the hardwood for every level of the game this season. Having watched you all, think probably I've, I've seen mostly towards the end of a summer. So, you know, the guys have been with you for a month or a month and a half. You have a lot of things already installed and not simple things. Like they're, they're pretty complex. A lot of people again saw you all play this last March and kind of the style system. If you want to describe that and then in the context of what we're talking about today, what are the skills that are required for them to be successful within the system that you're running there? So we're definitely going to, in recruiting, we're going to find guys uh, in high school that usually they play in a system that resembles what we do, uh, where they, as they put, know how to play. Obviously, there's still going to be a learning curve, but we believe in you, you throw them in the deep end and they figure out how to swim. Uh, we'll be there to, to protect you, to make sure you're okay. But it's, it's a lot. It's a ton. You know, we have a, a separate language that we use on the court uh, offensively, and defensively. So as we're talking through practice, as these guys are trying to learn, not only are they trying to learn the concepts, they're trying to learn an entire new language of how we uh, play and how we speak. And that's on both sides of the ball, not to mention the plays, not to mention the concepts, not to mention the scouting reports, not to mention the film sessions, not to mention just shooting license, not to mention the academic rigor. So, again, it's a little bit of a J curve. But a lot of that is identified uh, in high school, right? You uh, recruit and get the right people. One of our advantages uh, to being at Affirming is we usually have guys that are really, really smart. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be at Furman. And so our collective uh, intellect is one of our advantages uh, as, as, a, as a staff and also as a team. And so, yeah, it is a lot. It is a, a very complex system. It is a lot of teaching that goes on. But that's why we have great students, you know, and so it's going to be uh, done on the front end is, and, and we get guys that we think can handle uh, what we're trying to do. Because you're right. If you don't coot to your style and what we're asking them to do, then yeah, it, it would be a disaster. It would be it would be a disaster for sure. A lot of decision making within the offense itself. How do you teach that and how do you rep that in those smaller group workouts? Yeah, so we're going to do a ton of three on three. Uh, where we're going to play out of what we call jazz, what most people would call the Princeton concepts. So we're going to have a, what we call a QB. Most people would call a, a five-man. We're going to put him at the elbow, and we're going to initiate our offense, uh, give him the ball, and then we're going to run into our split action. Uh, we can do that at a couple spots on the floor, very similar to what the Denver Nuggets do, uh, very similar to what the Boston Celtics do. It's a very pro-style offense, which, by the way, really aids into our guys becoming pros. You know, uh, Jalen Slauson's been at – multiple NBA workouts, and they all say he really knows how to play. Uh, well, it's because he's been in a pro-style system uh, for the last five years of his life. So uh, we're going to do that in three-on-three settings uh, where we're going to allow them to make the reads. The post player is going to make the reads. 
So whether it's a back cut, should I throw and chase? Should I throw and slip? And obviously we're going to teach them through film study what to do in certain situations. And then we're going to ask them in a three on three to go on the court and execute. And then obviously as they're going through it, we're able to stop it, slow it down, coach them. Uh, each coach has a position group. And so you're specifically supposed to coach your group into understanding the concepts of what we're trying to do. But like anything else, the more you do it, the better feel you get for it. And that's why I think for what we do, retention is so important because the freshman is never going to be as good as the fifth year guy in what we're trying to accomplish. This is something where the more you do it, the more you play in it, uh, the better you're going to be. So Jalen Slauson had been doing this for five years uh, in our offense. So now the reads to him are like second nature, whereas we have some younger guys that as they get older, it's going to be uh, – better for them. But this is not an offense where you want to just patch it together every year. People build things a, a ton of different ways. But if you were building our team and you're just popping different pieces in every year where there's no real collective camaraderie or collective understanding of what we're trying to do, it's a very hard thing to teach in eight months. You know, this is a, this is something that you teach over three or four years. So again, we understand how our culture, how our retention, how it all goes together to create what we have uh, even in player development, even in these 303 sessions. Uh, so if you just put freshmen out there, it may not look as clean as what you guys see against Virginia. Uh, but against Virginia, it's a lot of fourth and fifth year and third year guys and a couple of freshmen uh, sprinkled in. But it's a beautiful thing when everybody's uh, on the same page. Most workouts and most videos on social media about workouts is offense exclusively. How do you teach and coach and drill the defensive side? Yeah, we don't coach any defense. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> we play a little defense. We, uh, you know, it's much the same. It's much the same. So while we're doing the three-on-three -three offense, you know, we're we're coaching defense too. You know, and and I think because we've had such a clean offense, and and there's been a little bit of uh, less focus on the on the defensive teams that we've had. I mean, I think three years in a row, uh, we finished either one or two in defense in our league. Uh, so we believe in being a complete team. You know, we want to score 80. We want to hold you under 65. And when we do that, that that's a complete game. But it's it's much the same. You know, as, as we're going through the drills, there's two coaches that you coach your position group, but there's also two coaches that are specifically watching defense. And then there's two coaches, obviously Coach Richie being one of those, that are specifically watching offense. And so we just threw 10 eyes on the court we're able to observe and critique and coach and, and get to where we're not wasting time to say, hey, this is an offensive segment or this is a defensive segment. You know, every segment becomes both. And, and, you know, our guys understand that and defense competes as well as offense. Another thing is that, you know, in these three or three drills, we play it live. You got to finish with a stop, a rebound. And so you look number one offensive rebounding team in our league for most of the season a top three defensive rebounding uh, team in our league. So uh, every segment, everything matters. You know, it's not like, hey, this is an offensive segment, so you don't have to defend, or hey, this is a three on three segment, so you don't have to finish with a box. Everything matters, every possession. So we just coach defense the same. Is there anything as a coach that you try to avoid doing or saying during a workout? For sure. We avoid trying to give absolutes. So I never, we never want to say, don't ever do this because there may be a situation where that player has to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we try to say, hey, 
this is our suggestion. This is what we think you should do in this scenario, but still give them the liberty to have creative power uh, within the offense. So obviously there's things that we're, we're going to, you know, they're absolute don't do's like we're going to take great shots. We're not going to take tough twos. We're going to move the ball. But those are just program wide things. But in terms of actually playing within the concepts, you know, we play in a if this, then that offense. So if you think it's this, then you do that. Um, and you have the freedom to do that. That's why it's, it's really fun to play in. But even defensively, we're very seldom going to say you have to do this, um, except play hard, right? Play hard, play together and those type things. But in terms of, you know, if you choose to smoke one and throw behind, if you choose to slip out, if you choose to set it, if you choose to pop, if you choose to roll, uh, if you choose to drive and pivot, if you choose to drive and snake, all those different type, types of decisions, we trust the guys to make those reads. In your opinion, what is the key to being a good development coach? I think you have to be willing to work and be available. So much of what we do is just time. And so if this is 5.30 a.m., if this is after practice for an hour, if this is before practice for 30 minutes, if this is in your office, also uh, in your home, right? Because time is spent uh, on the court, time is spent off the court, but you're not going to be able to get a player better. And this is a cliche, but unless he knows you care about him and it, it goes into the holistic approach of development. Right. And so if a player players can sense belief, they can also sense disbelief. And so the more time with, that you spend with them, time spells belief. You know, it's going to say this coach is making these investments making these deposits. And not only me as a player, uh, but me as a person. And so you have to give your time. You have to want to give your time, be willing to give your time. But you can't fake that. Players that sense disbelief are going to grow a lot slower than players that sense belief. And so for uh, us, we put a big emphasis on what we do outside of the court, uh, what we do in our offices. Our players know, like Jalen Slauson, the amount of belief he had from our staff, he understood it's not like this everywhere. And so not only did he grow from 0.9 points a game as a freshman to be a player of the year in five years, but he also grew immensely as a leader. He grew immensely as a as a, a just a, a captain of our team. So that's that's the objective. But the only way you do that is is time. So you want to be good at player development. Uh, you got to be willing to, to dedicate and devote your time. This is the last thing, and it may sound unrelated, but I think your answer is going to kind of tie us together. We were talking about, for those that don't know, the upgrades that are going to be made to your facility there and the addition of practice facilities and all of that. What does that mean for your program? And also, what does that mean for what we were just talking about? I had Coach Richie at a, at a come speak at one of our clinics a couple of years ago, and there were some things that just transpired and the transfer portal was kind of like heating up to be a big thing. And I know he made a he was making a concerted effort to make sure that your program was one that was so enticing to be at that a kid wasn't even thinking about transferring. Can you talk about the facilities and how that even reflects what I just described Coach Richie's desire is and what you all do, like what's at the heart of what you do there in developing those young men? Yeah, you just you just you hit it on the head. Uh, the program being enticing, but I'll, I'll obviously uh, elaborate. I think you see around our program, there's all these indicators that something special is going on, 
one of those indicators is obviously the level of investment. And so not only investment from fan support, several sellouts, but you see investment uh, in terms of capital, right? You see a staff, uh, as good of a staff we've had, there's continuity on that staff. Uh, you see an arena that is going to be built. And this, I don't know that this was a discussion four years ago, but as soon as it became a discussion, it's something that's going to happen, right? So that's an immense amount of belief on paper in terms of how they're investing into this arena. Uh, so there's also the retention. And the, the funny thing is, is we were hitting the mark in retention before the arena. Uh, but as our players came to the office and we asked them, we, we asked them to be honest with us, what's one thing we can do to get better? They would say, coach, best staff in the world, best school in the world, best city in the world, best education in the world. But man, it'd be good to have a practice facility or man, it'd be good. And, you know, we listened to that. Uh, so as we hit all these marks and it's check, 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 the only thing left to check was a was an arena. And so now that we have that last check, they come in the office. Hey, Jalen Slauson, what are we missing? Coach, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. This staff, my teammates, these families, my experience, the city, the player development, my major. There, Coach, there's nothing missing. Not only am I coming back for a fifth year, but I can't wait to give back to this program. Right. And so it was really the last thing we had to do. And now that it's being done, um, you'll see an uptick in just what we're able to accomplish as, as a group. But really, really exciting um, time for Furman, really, really exciting time for Greenville. And to do what we've done despite our facilities, you only can imagine what we'll do uh, moving forward. A lot of exciting things going on. I, you know, a lot was made about how long it had been since you guys have been at the tournament and how monumental that was. But I feel like that was the tip of the iceberg. That's just the beginning of, of what you guys have, have going on there. That's Coach Tim Johnson, assistant coach with Furman Paladins. Coach, thanks for coming on the podcast. Coach, thanks for having me.